0: What's up? It's episode 56, Pain Points of Wealth, and earnings season is upon us. And for all intents and purposes, it should be a blowout again this quarter. Companies' profits should be through the roof. We have the banks reporting this week so far. JP Morgan's reported. BlackRock blew out the estimates. These are all good omens. But funny enough, investors are extremely bearish right now with plenty of cash on the sidelines waiting for a correction We're going to address that today. We're going to tell you what you should be doing with your money, how to play the next move in the market, how to play the rest of the year as inflation continues to kick in. Oil, it's over $80 a barrel at a seven-year high. Folks, inflation is real. It's here. We've been telling you about it. We're going to talk about that. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about maybe you've done a great job saving for your financial independence plan, but what are you missing right now that you need to add into your plan to make sure that you're completely financially free. We're gonna break it down.
1: Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Hey, Ryan, you know what you always say, the market doesn't love you, so don't love it back. And investors don't love it now because ever since the volatility picked up in September, you know, Chris, everybody's worried about slowing growth, bond tapering, rising rates, persistent inflation, supply chain disruptions, the Delta variant, China, the Fed. Oh my God, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. So all of a sudden you get a little volatility. And what happens to the sentiment readings? What do you see in there, Chris? Well, I was talking to one of my clients down in Florida yesterday and we talked
3: for about an hour about how terrible things are down there. You know, how the virus is infecting everybody and that the price of gas is $4 a gallon and that the economy is going to hell in a handbasket and that, you know, the month of September was a terrible month for a portfolio. I said, well, you're really looking in the rearview mirror right now. I said, because your portfolio is back up to where it was before September. I said, your portfolio is making a ton of money. The virus is getting
0: better. Things are getting better. I said, you got to look forward. You can't keep looking in the rearview mirror. Well, Bob once said pessimism is a bad investment strategy. Always better be an optimist. And it is kind of interesting because as we know, historically, when you get a market top right before it's ready to go down, typically optimism's at the highest. And we really, okay, we've had some volatility, but very little volatility, right? We haven't had any big sell-offs in the market this year. It seems to get going and then bam, all of a sudden you get the cavalry coming in and buying up stocks. And that's what makes it even more remarkable is we're going through a period right now where we haven't had that much selling, yet investors are extremely jittery. And as we know, markets tend to bottom when optimism's at its lowest. And optimism right now is extremely low. And it's been weeks of that. That bodes well, guys, I want to say it here first, for a huge market melt up into the end of the year, not a market meltdown like a lot of Wall Street
2: strategists been calling for every single week. So, Ryan, what you're telling me right now, just to be clear, You're saying investors are in the oh no phase and suddenly they're going to go into the FOMO stage. You know, they're going to be, all right, I better not invest now because markets are volatile. There's uncertainty, even though all this stuff that we talked about, these uncertainties have been talked about in the headlines for months now. But all of a sudden the market starts going up. You're going to have the FOMO strategy, right? Fear of missing out and people will buy higher. Investors will go chase prices as opposed to buying these dips when and if they occur. Well, to that point, Dad, I was talking to a client of mine last month, and he wanted to
3: sell all of his equities. And he said, "You know, I could sell this stuff, but who wants to buy it? I said, well, I do. He said, why would you want to buy it? I said, because the idea is that you buy low and sell high. I said, I'll sell it back to you in a few months when it's gone back up. I said, but at that point, you've already missed the boat.
0: Well, that's the thing about sentiment that's so interesting, right, is it can change on a dime. You can go from completely being pessimistic, thinking the world's going to end, and then all of a sudden, like to your point, Bob, everyone gets FOMO because markets are going higher. They're sitting in cash and that pressure becomes too great. And everybody
2: capitulates at the same time, hence creating a melt up in stock prices. While well, the market's looking out anywhere from three months to two years. Everything that you're seeing in the headlines now is already priced in. For example, the Biden administration came out this morning and said they're going to have the California ports work 24 hours just to try and unload all that backed up Supply and you know suddenly it'll resolve itself because if you look at what's happening with the Delta variant, right, the virus mutated. Well, our economy is mutating, right? We're adapting, and the market's going to see that. So you want to make sure that, that you understand that any dip is a buying opportunity, not a time to panic. hundred percent. And you know the other interesting topic you're
0: going to hear over and over again during this earnings season is not only how our profits, but how's inflation crimping those profits. That's what investors are going to be razor focused on because the numbers coming in are pretty astounding at this point, right? You've got oil at a seven-year high, a seven-year high. That's incredible. And it only happened within a couple months, right? And we saw oil do nothing for almost a decade. And then all of a sudden with flip of a switch, we're now seeing peak oil prices that we haven't seen literally since the mid-20 teens. In addition to that, you've got world food prices up 30%. That's the highest in 47 years, which also, you have to remember, this is a global phenomenon. It's not a U.S. phenomenon. Everyone's experiencing this around the world.
2: Well, you know, the bad news about the food prices going up is your mom has been to the supermarket and says, "You know, prices are going up so high. I'm putting you on a new diet. I'm not allowed to eat anymore." <laughs> well, that hasn't been the case for the last forty years. This is true. But this is another new reason. You know, it's, so this inflationary jump in prices is actually impacting my diet, and I'm not happy about it. I did notice, Bob, you're looking a little more slim on the podcast today. Right, flattery will get you everywhere, but you know here's a great example of how markets work. You know, if you look at what we call the rotation trade, when growth suddenly stopped leading the market and we had value pick up, right? All of a sudden, financials, energy, these stocks are doing better. If you go back 12 months; it's that's when that transition started to happen, long before anybody recognized, it, long before any of advisors or strategists or economists recognize it. You look back at the trailing 12 months numbers, right? Well, it's energy up almost 100 percent versus growth up 20. It's amazing how the market's able to see these things 12 months to a year ahead of time. Wait a second, Bob. You're saying everybody didn't call this. Go look at our podcast from last fall.
0: (laughs) We were the only place in the country talking about a rotation, and it was spot on. It was right when the vaccine news came out right around last October. And since then, in the last 12 months, technology growth has underperformed. Like you said, those cyclicals. When we talk about cyclicals every week, our listeners are probably tired of it. But that trend is continuing and it's remarkable the difference in performance since last October. It's really been now an old school value cyclical type of market. All those innovation trades like the ARK Fund are only up 11% of that time frame. It's been a huge transition in the market.
3: Well, you know, guys, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm actually in the process in some cases of doing tax swaps for some of my clients that bought the ARK Fund this time a year ago and offsetting some of their gains. I never thought that I'd have to do a tax swap with a tech stock, but
2: it's the reality we live in. Well, that's the beauty of the markets and, you know, what's been happening over the last 10 years is we've had a low inflation environment, and so long duration assets, which is a fancy way of saying growth stocks and long-term bonds have underperformed as interest rates have gone up because inflation's going up. And meanwhile, you look at the typical portfolio that we review, they have no inflation hedges. They don't have a dime in commodities. They don't have a dime in small cap value. They don't have a dime in anything energy related like our pipelines. And our pipeline index is up 50% this year, guys. 50% plus we get a 6% dividend to boot. This is called the gift that keeps on giving. It only took us a decade to get there. But that's the point, right? I mean,
0: it's just like everything is cyclical. And we're at a point now where a lot of what's been dormant is starting to awaken and what's been hot for a long time is starting to get less hot. That's how markets work. You know, the other interesting data that came out was at the jobs report about a week ago as we're recording this. And the other issue the economy has that we continually point out is wages are going up. We saw a huge jump in wages, hourly earnings for workers. And that's a trend to keep your eye on because we think, again, that's going to be persistent as the economy continues to heat up here. And if you look at just the revised, all the averages of employees being added over the course of the last couple of months, if this keeps up, guys, by the middle of next year or the end of next year, unemployment
2: is going to be down to 1.6%. Is that the lowest ever, Bob? That's the lowest ever. We're at 4.8% right now, which just shows you again, It's not the news. And that's one thing you have to watch when you're an investor. It's not the news that you watch. You watch how the market reacts to the news. And the employment number, you know, it was disappointing in terms of the number of people that got new jobs because there's a lot of people are so confident they can get a better job that they're actually quitting. But we dropped the unemployment rate to 4.8%, but the market only saw bad news. And that's because the sentiment's kind of bearish right now. So that's a good indication of how the typical investor feels. That's called opportunity, guys. I smell it a mile away. Hey, I hope you're enjoying
0: episode 56, Pain Points of Wealth. We've literally tripled our subscribers over the last couple of months. It keeps heating up. Thank you so much for the support that enables us to keep doing this podcast. If you really like it, if you appreciate it, please give us a like, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, leave us a comment or any kind of topics you'd like us to discuss financially related. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, Give us a like. Click on that subscriber notification, that little bell, so you can be updated of all our new content that comes out every single week. Again, we really appreciate the support. If you keep giving it to us, we'll keep doing more podcasts. All right, Chris and Bob, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And you know, Bob and Chris, with the literal thousands of financial plans our firm runs on an annual basis, we run more financial plans than probably almost anyone in the country. We found that a lot of you that come in to see us have done such a great job on the savings front. You know, you've done a great job with your budget, you have minimal debt, you've learned to save, and you've actually built up a really nice net worth. But we found that you don't always have all your bases covered. So I thought we could talk about some of the problems you face, even if you're a diligent saver, and even if you have a sizable net worth at this point, that's
2: getting you closer to that financial independence. Well, I'll tell you that number one thing on my list, Rai, is too much in cash. Hey, Chris, how many reviews have we've done where someone comes in, not not a review with a client, but a prospective client? They come in with 12, 14, 15 statements. Nobody's managing that. It's a mess. It's a collection of investments. But when you add it all up, they're 20, 30% in cash right now. Yeah. Well, the big problem with that is that, as we all
3: know, you're not making any money in cash. And you you think about when you're saving money, I think a lot of us think about saving money in cash. Well, The problem with that is that it's getting less than zero. So you got to think about your savings in terms of super savings. You want that money to work for you. And the analogy I use, it's kind of a lot like having employees that you pay, but give you no work.
0: Hey, that sounds like Bob, Chris. Sounds like Bob. He's always working on his hair, but he's not working on the podcast and the things he should be doing as much. But we'll talk about that offline. It's actually, I call it like it's at this point, it's cash amplified, right? Because at this point, inflation has been about four or five percent, And if you're sitting in cash, your money's not fluctuating, you're losing four to five percent in purchasing power a year based on what inflation is today. So it's worse than ever to sit in cash. And, you know, Bobby, you and I do a radio show every weekend and we're on with Steve Moore. He's a big economics advisor, was for for the Trump administration. You know, he's pretty much out there. And he talked about how he sold out of all stocks because he sees nothing good. And we hear this all the time right now. And he's like, guys, what should I do here? And we're definitely gonna get a correction. We said, Steve, you're gonna be wrong here, man. Sitting in cash is the worst place to be right now. But And he is like one of the best economic advisors in the country. He sees more data than anybody, and he's making that mistake. But it's not the right play right now. You can't afford to sit in cash when
2: you have inflationary pressure. Well, that's the risk you have when you're in a big, booming bull market. They never let you in. If you look at every secular bull market that I've been in, and you only see maybe three in your lifetime, usually the first one, you're too young to take advantage of it. The third one, you're too old to take the risk. So this is an opportunity to participate in a secular bull market. A lot of people are missing out. But don't mistake that for having the improper asset allocation. Too much risk is still risky. And even though things are going up, nothing goes up in a straight line. So you got to make sure the number two risk I see out there is way too much risk in a portfolio over concentration in certain areas. Can you guess what they are, Chris? I'm going to say large cap growth, the tech trade. You got it, man. And guess what's underperformed for the last 12 months? The tech trade, believe it. Well, the other thing too, Dad, is to think about risk as also
3: subjective. So I have a client that I've been dealing with since I started the business about 10 years ago. And every time we're in a bull market, she wants to take more risk. Every time the market's going down, she wants to take less risk. So risk feels great when the market's going up, but Ryan always says it's a double-edged sword. It hurts you on the way down too.
0: Well, that's it. And that's what we see mostly right now is just that lack of diversification. And this is something that we point out, but Wall Street is the biggest offender of this. And we see this, our industry, you would think our industry would know better. And I actually had a client that I was working with the other day saying, well, you know, I've got this retirement account. It's completely diversified. I don't need you guys because I've got it perfectly positioned. And I went through all the positions. And again, you can have like 20, 30 different funds and think you're diversified, but it was all invested in the same area of the market. And that's what Wall Street does. It tends to look at what did the best the last five to 10 years, just like you do. We all do this, it's human nature, and that's what we recommend because it's easy to pick what did best recently, but as we know, things continually change, so whatever's been the best place to be, eventually, like the turn of a switch, just kind of like what happened last October when we had that vaccine news, is everything shifts overnight. And again,
2: you've got to have money in those other places or you're out of luck. You know, it's a great point. I mean, you look at Wall Street, you look at the banks, you look at the insurance companies, and they really have have two things that they're supposed to do for you as an investor. You know, number one, act as a fiduciary. And also they have an obligation to their shareholders to make a profit. Guess which way they go almost every time. I mean, Jamie Dimon came out the other day, the CEO of JP Morgan, biggest bank, most profitable bank in the country. And he said, Bitcoin is worthless. He said, it's backed by nothing. However, if you want to invest in it, we'll accommodate that. So again, the profit motive, he takes the profit motive over his moral obligation as a fiduciary to you, the investor. I love that though, right? It's like, we're happy to give you the shovels <laughs> to dig. And I mean, that's
0: essentially what Wall Street does, because I've heard a lot of that with Bitcoin. It's like, whoa, all the big banks are getting involved and you know, Wall Street's getting involved. Yeah, they are, to basically give you the shovels. That's it. You know, They're not the ones actually trading in this stuff. They're the ones profiting on your hard-earned money so you can trade it. They're basically the house. You know, they're the casino that is allowing you to gamble. It's not because they see this as this wonderful opportunity. They see you as the sucker doing the
2: trading, so they make those commissions. That's pretty much the way it works. Well, you know, like you always say, Chris, you know, it's like two out of three is not bad, right? The bank made money. The bank advisor made money. The investor got killed. Two out of three is not bad odds. So you know, the thing is, invest in a bank stock. Don't trust the bank. And that's why bank earnings are fantastic so far this quarter. So be the owner, not the consumer,
0: right? That's the old line. So the other thing that we see a lot when it comes to the mistake you're making, even though you may have saved a lot, but this is one of the big areas is that ticking tax time bomb. If you're just shoveling tons of money into your retirement account, you get to a point where that becomes a very sizable part of your net worth. The problem is when you start taking all that money out, you're going to pay some major taxes,
3: Right. I was talking to a clients of ours this week that have been clients of paying capital for 30 plus years, and they recently retired a few years ago, and they don't have any income right now. No social security. They're purely living off their portfolio. And one of the things I said to them, I said, why don't we take some money out of your IRAs now and move them over to Roth to save some taxes in the future? And they said, well, we don't want to pay all the taxes right now because everything that comes out of an IRA is a taxable event. And then I showed them how much money they have to take out when they hit 72 and what tax bracket that's going to put them in. And that changed their tune real quick because they'd save a ton of money in taxes right now. By converting to a Roth IRA.
0: Yeah, that's it. And we know taxes are probably going higher. Like, look, I don't have a crystal ball, but I have to think with the trillions upon trillions of dollars that the government's printing right now, they're going to want to get that money back some way, somehow. And it's probably going to be through excess taxation, which means it's a great time right now to look at maybe starting to just rip the bandaid off, pay the taxes on some of those retirement accounts now, and later have it completely tax-free. I know Bob loves tax-free. Chris, I know you love tax-free. We all love tax-free.
2: Well, you know, we always say, guys, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but don't give him any of yours. Well, this last one's my favorite one, and that one, it's okay to
3: live a little. So, you know, we all have clients that all they do is save and they stress about making sure that enough money is being put in their portfolios, but they sacrifice the finer things in life, like going on vacation, buying that really cool car, and all the things that just bring us pleasure in life. So- You know, at the end of the day, of course, you always want to be saving. You want to make sure that you're reaching your goals, but not at the sacrifice of enjoying your life because that, as you always say, we don't get out alive.
0: Yeah. What are we doing it for, right? The whole idea is you save so you can spend the money. I had a client talk to me about buying a sure house and he wasn't sure about it. And he's like, look, I have to take some money from the portfolio. I looked around the numbers. I said, take it. He's like, what do you mean take it? Don't you want to just keep managing and charging fees? I said, Chris is like that. But me, I want to make sure that you're living your life. (laughs) In all seriousness, That's the point. Like, There's no greater joy than telling a client that, like, look, you've saved this money. You can spend it. Spend it. That's what it's for. So you can enjoy yourself because you worked hard. Live within your means, but certainly it's not about leaving all the money to the next generation. Actually, Bob, I take that back. Maybe it is for you. Well, Brian, I have to
3: comment on the fact that you tell clients that I don't like when they take money out of their portfolio. I tell all of our clients their portfolio is like
0: the Hotel California. They can check it in, but can never leave. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is all we do every single day. And everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, Bob, Chris, and I will put together our famous total financial master plan. We'll do all the work up front with no obligation or cost. There's no other financial service from in the industry that does this work up front. We'll take a look at every holding that you have. We'll do a deep dive of every single investment you have. We'll look at tax optimization. We'll look at every fee you're paying so we can reduce costs on your portfolio. We'll do a complete savings and income plan to make sure you're on track saving the right amount of money and we'll put together a full income plan to make sure that when that paycheck stops, you can live off your portfolio and not run out of money over the rest of your life. It's our total financial master plan. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free complimentary financial review. We literally do about 10 of these a week. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, see if you qualify. We'll do all the work up front. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts. They may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, this month, the Energy Department released a study that says as much as 40% of U.S. electricity could be produced by solar in 2035, 45% by 2050, but today, solar only provides about 4%
2: of overall energy. Well, that's a gigantic leap, right? I think renewables are the wave of the future, but they're coming a lot later than everybody thinks. I mean, they're only 4% now from solar energy. And we're going to depend on some bureaucrat in Washington to tell us it's going to go to 50% on a certain date. You know, they've been telling me for the last 40 years that the ocean was going to overwhelm my home on a beach here in Ocean City. I don't think I'm going to take that advice, maybe with a little grain of salt, perhaps.
0: Bob's not buying it, but I think there is no coincidence that oil is up to $80 a barrel because we probably need fossil fuels for a couple more years than some of the quote unquote experts have been telling us. Chris, today it costs more than a penny to make a penny. According to the US Mint, it costs them roughly 1.7 cents per every coin.
3: Well, you know what, Rai? I think the only alternative at this point is to use BobCoin. It doesn't cost anything to make, and it's completely virtual.
0: <laughs> I don't know. From what I've read, that the energy used to make one BobCoin, because, you know, to get all that hair replicated on the coin, literally is all the power of Argentina on an annual basis. But I don't know. Don't quote me on that study. I just heard it somewhere.
2: Hey Chris, he's already taken a shot at you. He's taken two shots at me today. I think he's forgetting the fact that I now have a grandson, and that he doesn't even know he's been written out of the will and replaced by Liam. But he'll figure it out sooner or later, I think. Hurtful, Bob. Hurtful,
0: Bob. Warren Buffett, considered the world's most successful investor, made ninety nine point six percent of his eighty seven point five billion fortune after the age fifty two. As much as seventy two billion of his wealth came after he turned sixty five. He started investing at the tender age of 11 and paid his first taxes at age of 13.
2: The compounding effect sounds like it's backloaded here, Bob. Well, it really is. And that's the thing about Warren Buffett. He's a genius because he started investing early, right? Really early, tender age of 11. What it speaks to is the real magic of creating wealth, which is compounding of your interest and dividend. Never leave that money in cash. Make sure you're always buying an asset. There's always an opportunity in the market in your portfolio every day. Don't wait. Don't invest in the market you want. Invest in the market you have. Warren Buffett's done that. He's the wealthiest man on the planet. Well said. All right, gentlemen, great show. Again, thank you for your support. We've tripled our listenership.
0: If you like our content, love our content, give us a like, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Give us a great review if you really dig our content. And don't be shy, pass it along, let anyone else know about it. And if it's on YouTube right now, please click that notification bell, that like, so we can keep creating content like this, give us the support so we can keep giving it back to you. Have a great day, have a great week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management.